Welcome to the Cruising and Campfires podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Crossland, a non-outdoorsy but wildly camping-obsessed mom. I created this podcast as a way to connect with other camping-loving families just like ours who might not always feel the most equipped for that hardcore adventuring you often see. It's here that I share my personal experiences, my personal lessons learned, and also interview other travelers who have exciting stories to tell. Let's dive in. This episode is sponsored by Cruising and Campfires. Cruising and Campfires is my company, and it has been so much fun to put together. It started as a company with just road trip activities and campsite activities for kids, and now we're expanding to offer more for the entire family to enjoy. Head over to cruisingandcampfires.com and check it out, and while you're there, sign up for the email list, and you'll get 10% off your very first order. I can't wait to see you there. On today's podcast, I have Don Marcotte. Don has a family of four that has visited every state park in Minnesota and as many of the national parks as they could manage. With a focus of at least one big trip a year, they have been able to experience the many, many adventures available in the great outdoors and across the state of Minnesota. But that's not all. One of Don's children actually is on the spectrum and has ADHD, and she opens up about how she has helped her child stay engaged on the road and um, and at the campsite. She also shares some insights about what she wishes other campers would know about traveling with a child who is on the spectrum and has ADHD. It's definitely a listen, a must listen for anybody who's traveling around any family campgrounds, any state parks. And by the way, if you've been wanting to go to Minnesota, I picked her brain a little bit about the state because I myself have never been and really wanted to get to know a little bit more about this beautiful state. I cannot wait to go and I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. Let's get right to it. Dawn, thank you so much for joining me today. I have to tell you that when I saw your bio and I saw you pop up, it feels like we're so aligned because not only do you love to travel with your family, but also we're both coaches and consultants and we have just such similar backgrounds. So I'm really, really, really excited to talk to you this morning. Thanks, Kimberly. I'm excited to be here too. Awesome. Well, let's just dive right into it. And we're not going to talk about the coaching and consulting side of things, but I love that we have that in common. Um, but mm-hmm. we are going to talk about your journey with your family of four and that you have visited every single state park in Minnesota. How many state parks is that? Uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> It's got to be, I would say eight to 10 for okay. sure. Because that's, uh, we started when my kids were, you know, grade school, youngish, five or so. And then, of course, you hit that teenage and they don't want to do it anymore. So, I, and we went someplace different every year. So, it's, I got to say it's at least eight to 10. Um, different oh, that parts. is so fun. What yeah. made you want to take on that goal to travel to all these different state parks? Just something well, new or? You know, it wasn't so much that we had a goal to visit all of the state parks, but when the kids were really little, we did some tent camping. So some pretty hardcore camping. And because I grew up that way, we did a lot of camping when I was a kid and I loved it. It was so much fun. But I have to tell you, as the adult doing the camping, it's way more work than it is (laughs) when you're a kid. Right. So we did a little bit of that and we're like, oh, this is hard we don't really want to keep doing this, but we're outdoorsy people. And state parks generally have like camper cabins or or different structures like that, that you can rent. 
So that's why we started doing it because we're like, oh, hey, we can not have to put up the tent and not have to camp over a campfire and things like that. Um, right. So that's what got us started. And then once we started, it was so much fun to go to these different areas and, and not only spend time in the parks, but in the area, learning the history and going to the different museums or, or whatever's going on in that area. And it was so much fun and the kids enjoyed it too. So that was good. Oh, I love that. I love, it's so nice when you see their faces light up with excitement over something new and experiencing something new. And so you guys travel, I know you said you're not having to pitch the tent anymore, which is so nice and such a relief. And I a hundred percent understand and can relate to that of it is more work as parents and as adults than it is as kids. Um, so you guys primarily will go and travel into like the cabins and, and camp out that way. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. So I always like to know what is your favorite park? Like, uh, cause I've not been to Minnesota and I want to okay. go. So like, where's the first place I should be going? And it's a beautiful, beautiful state. I can't yes. say enough fabulous things about Minnesota and the parks, because the thing about we've done, gone to parks in other places as well. And sometimes they're not as well kept up or the trails aren't as clearly marked as you would like. And that's one of the things I really like about the Minnesota parks is that everything is very clearly marked. You're not going to get lost. Um, it, I, I love that, but I don't, you know, for your first experience in Minnesota, I would probably go to one of the parks that's closer into a metropolitan area. Um, and there's, I'm trying to think of the name of it. I'm drawing a complete blank. Um, that's okay. The, but yeah, there's, there's um, Tedaguchi. There we go. I knew I'd come okay. up with it. Tedaguchi <laughs> is a really good park uh, to go to. We enjoyed that. And one of the nice things though, that we personally have enjoyed the most in our family is when we're out in the parks because we live in the metropolitan area there's a lot of ambient light and at night when you look up you see a few stars but it, not a lot so when you go out to these parks and you look up and you can see the milky way i still remember i think the the thing i love the most the memory that i cherish the most is when we went to the boundary waters which is way up north uh, over the canadian minnesota border and we were camping and it got dark, right? And we um, had the kids come out of the tent. And as our youngest, who was, I think maybe four at the time, looked up just, and she was just like, oh, wow, you know, oh, just amazing. that look on her. And it was just so magical. And I just loved that moment because she had never seen the stars like that before in such clarity. And it was just amazing. And my husband loves, uh, astronomy and so it was exciting for all of us but yeah that's what I think that's my favorite camping moment with my kids oh that's so beautiful yeah I live so I live in Tucson I'm not a full-time RVer we live in Tucson and one of the things that they do down here because there are so many um, observatories is we actually have a lot of really strict guidelines on what kind of lighting we can use and so but even still, even with all the yellow and the ambient lights that we really work hard to not dilute the stars and stargazing, even still going outside and just seeing the stars without that city light around you is such a moment. It really is it, incredible. It is. It is. And I love that you're able to see that through your kid, your child's eyes at such a young age. It's so much fun. So talk to me about, I'm, I'm just going to pick your brain about Minnesota because I'm so compelled sure. by it. <laughs> oh, it's um, a great place. 
I, yes, every single picture I see, I'm like, I'm going there. I'm going there. I'm going there. I want to go there so bad. And someday I will, but what is the wildlife like up there? Oh, it's so much fun. Um, it's a variety. That's one of the really nice things about Minnesota is there are different biomes. So if you go up north, it's very woodsy, very, you know, pine and things like that. Uh, kind of um, north woods, like you might see in Maine or someplace like that, it's very similar. Um, if you go over to kind of the western side, it's a more prairie field very open, very, lots of wind, lots of wind over there. Um, you know, if you're in kind of the Southern part, then it's a kind of a combination, more deciduous and things like that. So when you go up North, you you can see moose and deer and, you know, I've never seen a bear. I'm told that they're there. I've never seen one, <laughs> well, uh, but good. there's all kinds of wildlife, wolves. Um, in fact, one of the things we did when we went up north uh, to one of the parks is there was a local wolf, um, I don't want to call it conservatory, but a refuge. I don't know. Anyway, they know a lot about wolves there. And it was just fascinating to go and learn about them. And in a different park, it was eagles that were in the area. And so there was a lot of information about that. And you could go watch the eagles. And that was fascinating. So yeah, there is so much here. And it's not that they're just here. It's that we have a really good structure, usually in the area, to teach people about whatever it is in the area, whether it's wildlife or we've got a lot of Native American tribes up here, a lot of history that way. Uh, with petroglyphs and things like that. We've got the iron industry, iron ore was up here. So one year when we went to a particular park, there was a local mine. So we got to go take a tour of the mine and go down and see what it was like. And so just all kinds of history and interesting things to learn and to do in the area of all of these parks. Oh, that's so cool. I, I absolutely love that. And I think that there, I love how it's always so different and there's always something new to explore. Um, I want to get into something more specific about your family and you've given me permission to talk about this, but um, you have a child that has ADHD. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yes. So talk to me about, you're going to all these different places. I'm hearing about, you know, the different biomes and the different experiences and the different cultures that you're meeting, different wildlife even. And what is that like to travel with a child with ADHD? Well, and that's probably one of the reasons that we enjoy outdoor things so much because when you're outdoors, you don't have to necessarily focus your attention on one specific thing for any length of time, right? It's right. like, oh, look at the bird. Oh, look at the tree. Oh, look at the water, right? And she can have that freedom to not have to try and sit still and stay focused on anything. But mm-hmm. yeah, the hardest part about traveling with an ADHD child is the getting there, the car ride, because most yes. of these parks are at least two to three hours away from our house. So you gotta pile the kids in the car and keep them busy for that length of time. And that was the toughest part. So what I learned to do, and I have to say, I'm a little older, they're a little older. So this is back in the day before there were portable DVD players, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was the most miraculous invention ever, (laughs) as far as I'm concerned, as a parent in a car with a child. But before that, what I would do is I would break the trip down into 15 minute 
increments and make sure that I had a different activity that I could present to her each of those 15 minutes. And we didn't always go through all of them because sometimes something would really catch her interest and she would stay with it for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we would go through all of them in the first hour. <laughs> and so it really kind of varied. Um, but just having different activities that I knew she would be interested in, whether it's drawing or playing a game or whatever, reading. And that was the other thing. She loves books and loves stories. So a lot of the time I would be sitting in the back seat um, reading to her and have, you know, 30 books that we're going to read through all these picture books oh, and then read through them again and whatever it took to keep her happy, that kind of thing. And yeah. frequent stops. So we would stop at least once an hour to get out and stretch our legs and move around. And, and usually we uh, drive through a little town and see a city park and go, oh, look, there's a swing set. Let's go stop over there and let her get out and play for 15 minutes, something like that. And that really helped a lot too. Um, if it was a really long trip, like if we were going to be driving for five or six or eight hours, as we did occasionally, like we'd go to Chicago or whatever, um, we would plan ahead and say, okay, you know, we need to find different spots where we can get out for longer periods of time to let her run and, and just get rid of that energy. So once we oh, learned yeah. to do that, it made it a whole lot easier. Oh, I bet. And, and I think that that's common, um, just across the board. And so having ADHD or a child with ADHD would just amplify that, but just the constant having to keep kids entertained on the road, because your mind starts to wander and then it wanders to being bored and being restless and not <laughs> knowing what's happening, you know, exactly. Well, and one of the time, one of the things that I started doing, which I, I enjoyed, I think more than she did actually <laughs> was, um, I would wrap, I would go to the dollar store beforehand and just randomly pick fun, cool stuff, whatever I wanted and wrap them. And so every 15 minutes, every hour, whatever I decided, if I saw her start getting restless, I would pull a, a present out of my backpack and hand it to her. And she would oh. get to unwrap it. And, you know, it was some kind of toy or something that I thought would keep her interest for a little while. And that worked really well because it, it was new. She'd never seen it before. And just getting a present was exciting. And so it made her look forward to being in the car knowing that she was going to get stuff. So it just yeah. made the whole trip easier as well. But if she asked for it, she didn't get one. So you kind of have to set some ground rules there. It was at oh, mom's discretion um, to give her that. Or if she, you know, sat still particularly well at lunch or something like that as a reward. So yeah, that, and I loved the whole idea of just surprising her and seeing her get all excited. And I really enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's like Christmas in the car. I love that. We do something kind of similar um, well, with snacks because I love food. And so my kids love yeah. food too. And yeah, so sure. we'll put snacks inside of a, an Easter egg and then every 15 oh. minutes or, or we'll time out a trip, if it's going to be like you said, a two to three hours and every 15 minutes, they can open up 15 to 30 minutes, I should say for a snack, but they can open up an Easter egg. And then there's like a vanilla wafer in one of them, or there's some goldfish or some checks or you know, some things that there, it, it can be an unhealthy thing, but it's not sugar right. filled. Cause obviously that doesn't help anything, but, no. <laughs> That's but it's really still like a treat. Yeah, yeah. It's been really fun, but that. I'm going to try this wrapping gift thing. Cause I, yeah. I mean that not only does that take time to unwrap it, but then it's like yeah. that experience for them is so 
you build up that anticipation. So they're going to be more excited than just like, here, I bought this for you. It's a totally different mindset and totally different experience. What a good idea. I am definitely squirreling that one away for our next trip. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. So what are some of the silver linings that, that come with traveling with an ADHD child? I mean, you talked to an ADHD child, you talked about stopping at different playgrounds. I feel like maybe there's a chance you saw more things than maybe you, you would have if you just powered through. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. There are so many just little local things that we would never have experienced if we had not had to stop to let her run off some energy or, okay, she's hungry. We don't want, you know, as a mom, you don't want to let your kids get hungry because that just makes everything bad. Let's go stop at that little diner over there. And then you start a conversation with the people in the diner and it's just fun, you know, and there's so much that we saw and experienced because we had to slow down a little bit that we wouldn't have otherwise. And the thing about her, even though she's ADHD, she's very detail oriented. So she will notice things that we would have just blown right by because she's just so flitting from one thing to another. And then she'll see something and get fascinated by it and we'll have to come look at it. And, you know, sometimes it's a rock and sometimes (laughs) it's a stick, but sometimes it's a sign or a bird or, you know, whatever, something interesting. And so, yeah, that's we have really enjoyed that part of it. Um, just, just seeing the world in a little bit different view. That's so cool. And, and I think that as parents, you know, that's what we get out of being parents is we can oftentimes like refresh our, the lens with which we see the world and start to see things from a fresh new perspective. And it just sounds like what a gift almost, you know, that this is an opportunity to see things that you might not have noticed those details, like you said, or stopping and having these conversations you might not have been able to have. That's so, so good. So when you get to the campgrounds, is it, do you have those same experiences? Like, are you able to connect with other people or what do you wish others would know about traveling with an ADHD child that would make the entire camping experience feel, feel good and, and exciting and welcoming? You know, not that it doesn't, but not that it doesn't. No. Well, and in addition to ADHD, she's on the autism spectrum. So when she was younger, uh, she had some behaviors that were maybe not what you would see in an average child. And I think it's important for people to understand that not every disability is visible. Not that autism is a disability, but not everything is visible. And there may be times when she would be struggling with too much input, too much noise, too much light, whatever, right? Uh, Would set her off and she would pitch a fit. And we would just stand there and and let her work through it because that's all you could do pretty much at that point. And the looks we got from parents about why are you not addressing your child who's, you know, pitching a fit here. Uh, not mm-hmm. understanding that if we, in that particular sa- uh, situation, when you add more stress to that situation, it makes it worse for her. So by standing back and letting her just work through it, then she comes out the other side faster and better, as opposed to, you know, jumping on her and grabbing her arm and we're going back yeah. to the tent and blah, 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 right? You know, so, and which happens to all of us at some point with our child when they're, when they're <laughs> not doing what they're supposed to. Um, but just that understanding that there might be more going on here than just a child that's misbehaving, I think can make the whole thing 
better. And even if you just kind of wander over and maybe just ask is, you know, can I help with anything? Do you need anything? Can be very helpful because there would have been times when I would have said, yes, can you go over to that campsite and let my husband know that our daughter's pitching a fit and we're going to be a mile, you know, or can he yeah. come, you know, whatever, right? Because you can't leave them to right. go get someone to come and help you who knows what's going on and can help you handle the situation. So I think that is very helpful. And people in campgrounds are so friendly anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But I think when it comes to kids, sometimes people feel like maybe they shouldn't interfere, like somebody, like I'm going to yell at them or get angry with, you know, we've all seen those videos where somebody tries to help and the person they're trying to help just loses it at them. And I think there's that fear, but if you approach it with kindness, I think most of the time people appreciate the fact that you are willing to help in any way that you can. You're not going to yell at them about why aren't you fixing your kid or taking care of your kid. Right. I think that's so good. And, and it's so important to remember that compassion and just, and like you said, like you can't always see what's happening below the surface disability or not. There's a lot of, I mean, we all react to things differently, especially children who are learning how to navigate a world that's so new to them. And so understanding that we can be there and be a compassionate, just like friend, a neighbor at the campground or whatever on the hiking trail, even mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. so important to remember. I, I think that's so, so good. So thank you for sharing that and being so open about it. Sure. Um, you had also talked to me about prior to this call, or you had mentioned making the best of a bad situation and specifically maybe an experience you had at Boundary Waters, because you had mentioned that before. Yes. <laughs> love to yes. hear more. <laughs> so we, I've actually been to the Boundary Waters twice. And if you're not familiar, it's a, a natural area where you're not allowed to have motorized anything. So oh. you canoe in and you can go from lake to lake and you have to portage, which means you have to pick your stuff out of the water and carry canoe and all from one lake to the next, which is work, uh, but it's so worth it. So <laughs> worth it. It's just absolutely beautiful out there. Um, So the first time we went, it was just my husband and I, but the second time we took the two kids and the youngest one was like, I think four, the older one would have been about nine. Um, And the, at the end of the uh, first day, the oldest one was not feeling well at all, which is unusual. She usually doesn't get sick. Um, And so we're like, oh, great. We're out in the middle of nowhere. What we, what do we do? She said, I'm just tired. I just want to rest. So we decided that instead of doing what we were going to do, which was pack everything up and move a couple of lakes over to a different campsite so we could be in an area that we wanted to be in for the week, we're like, you know what, we're just going to hang out for the day. And that's what we did. We just stayed there and explored that area for the day and, you know, played card games and relaxed a little bit. And she slept fine. She, I don't know what was wrong with her, but she had a good day of sleep, a good night of sleep. And the next day she was fine. So we moved on, but it was really nice to just stop and enjoy each other for a little bit because you get so wrapped up as an adult and okay, we need to go here and then we need to go over here and we need to look at this and this and this, and then we need to go over here. Right. And you make those plans and you, and you forget about just spending time with each other and just sitting around a campfire and toasting marshmallows 
and you know not letting the mouse run up on your leg and steal your chocolate and run away which did happen to me (laughs) (laughs) i'm like well it was funny because the mouse dropped the chocolate i'm like we're in the boundary waters i'm eating it anyway yeah (laughs) dust it off put it back on the cracker we're good to go um but you know but you even when you're supposed to be relaxing you can kind of lose sight of that so it was so nice to just take some time and and not do something we had planned and just exist with each other for a day. And it, it was really nice. And it really kind of changed the whole tenor of the vacation. Cause all of a sudden we're like, oh yeah, okay. If we don't go see that thing, that's okay. We don't have to, we're just together. And that's the whole point. Yes. I think that that flexibility, so you've actually brought this up twice and I just want to put exclamation points and highlight it because I think it's really, really, really important. And probably the best takeaway is it's okay. And in fact, it's good to give yourself that permission to slow down. And, you know, 2020 was almost a lot of people consider there to be a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of bad things that happen, of course, but -hmm. then there's also some gifts to coming that came with it of forcing ourselves to just stop and forcing ourselves to take a breath and figure out what matters. And, And I, and I think that it's the same thing like you said, when you're traveling on the road to have that gift of slowing down, like we don't have to get there as fast as we can with no stops, we can stop along the way. And by the way, meet some people and by the way, see things in detail that we might not have seen on the trail or wherever we're going. And then the same thing here, if someone's not feeling well, well, it's okay to make plans change a little bit. That's okay. And in fact, there can be such a gift underneath it of being able to take that step back and say, Hey, we don't have to go see that. That can be for another trip for now. Let's just enjoy each other and let's enjoy this time in this beautiful area. Mouse and all, <laughs> let's enjoy it all. <laughs> and That's so you know, important. It, it is so important. And I have to say, I think one of the reasons, because they're older now, my oldest is in her twenties. Uh, my youngest is in high school, you know, teenager, young adult. I think by having that foundation of having spent time together to just interact, it has made those tumultuous teenage years less difficult. I won't say easy, but we built that foundation before they got to that age so that, you know, yes, we're idiots when they're 16, but (laughs) they still talk to us occasionally. And that, I have to say about 2020, that was one of the things I liked because they are of that age, they're still at home, but in a couple of years, they're going to be gone. And it's been so nice to just have that luxury of, hey, I get to see you every day. Whereas before I'd see them maybe once a week between work schedules and school things and and whatever. So yeah, it's been really nice to be able to spend some time with them again in the same way that we did when they were little kids. Yeah. Well, that's really encouraging to me because I'm a mom of a three and a four-year-old <laughs> dreading the day that I don't see them all the time. And I know it's going to come. And of course it should come. Yes. But- it's, it's also, I like to soak up these moments. And so hearing that is very, like I said, encouraging because it means that we're setting them up to want to come back home with us. And maybe you want to go camping with us, even when they're in college, you know, exactly, exactly. all these fun things. Yeah. Yeah. And they talk to each other too, about the things that we've done. So it's nice to build those memories for, for each other. So your kids will talk to each other and they'll do the, remember when we did this, remember when we did that. So yeah, it's a whole lifelong thing. It's awesome. Well, that's truly why I wanted to start this business and just start 
exploring more in a different angle of the outdoor world because I just think that it's it is it's truly just a an amazing experience and an amazing gift to be able to have that with your family. So Don, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all these experiences. Is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with? Um, just, uh, I think it's important, like you said, to highlight, to slow down and, and spend some time when you can doing nothing, you know, yeah. go sit out in the yard and, and, and have a little bonfire, whatever, just spend some time with each other is so important and reaps rewards that you cannot even begin to imagine later in life. Oh, goosebumps. That's so good. And so appreciate you being on. Thank you very much. Tell us where we can find you. And I'm going to link to all this in the show notes too, but tell us where we can find uh, you. I have a Facebook group called Women Coaches and Consultants Growing Our Business. It's probably the best place to find me because that's where I spend the most time. Uh, But I also have, of course, a profile on Facebook. So you can look me up uh, as Dawn Marcotte or I'm on LinkedIn and I am on Instagram. Not that I know how to use it, but I'm there. (laughs) Well, I think it's great. I have looked at your profile and I think you're doing great. So definitely I'm already following you and I hope our listeners do too. Thank you again for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. It was. Thank you.